Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm Dr. Michelle Gordon, and this week we're going to show you the Dr. Michelle Gordon Show Episode 6. In this episode, we make our way from Mallorca to Barcelona. We eat tapas. We visit Sagrada Familia. We talk menopause with our Barcelona guide, and we discuss acupuncture with Jillian Schwartz. Enjoy. So we were finished in Mallorca, and we boarded the plane to Barcelona. We were really happy to leave the bikes behind. It was time to just go out and experience the culture of Barcelona. Barcelona's in the lower, it's the southern part of Spain. It's part of a region called Catalonia. And there's this whole controversy about whether Catalonia should stay part of Spain or should leave the EU or leave Spain altogether. And we talked to a few people about that. Check it out. Tell me a little bit about this whole like Catalan wanting to secede business, since you're a local. I believe that Catalonia has to secede from Spain. Okay, tell me why you believe that. I believe it because I'm a taxpayer, okay. I'm a worker, uh -huh. and I like my taxes to go somewhere close by so that I know how they're invested. And what I don't like is the way that it's been going up, up until now, that all our taxes are going to Madrid, uh -huh. and Madrid decides how to divide all the taxes. Catalonia is feeling that it's paying too much money to the rest of Spain, uh -huh. that the taxes are too high. Right, so okay. what they want is financial autonomy, but they have not got it. But do they them. want to stay in the Eurozone? Then, or do they want their, uh, own, they, they their would, own currency? They, they would like to stay straight in the Eurozone, but uh -huh. if they would be an own country, they cannot stay straight in the Eurozone. They have first to ask for permission. Sure, and it's, it's not to, easy to get into the Eurozone. Yeah. They have to, they have to yeah. wait for two years. In these two years, they would have to change their currency because they also cannot keep yeah. the Euro. After our travel to Barcelona from Mallorca, everybody went to their hotel rooms and got cleaned up. And we had this great surprise waiting for us. Hey! No way! It was such a pleasant surprise to have Sandra show up out of the blue. She wasn't able to come because she had a problem with her farm. I forgot my luggage at home, therefore... No way. No. Yes, and therefore I'm not going. Come on. Oh, yay. No, explain the little No, why. you really didn't forget your luggage. luggage. No well, way. you know, some people have personal things that go on and uh, family stuff and um, I had to make a tough choice. So I'm staying behind, but I'm gonna cheer for all of you from here. I'm gonna miss you and I'm heartbroken that I'm not going. It was really great to hear the views of the locals on Catalonia and Spain, Barcelona, the currency, and what could happen. We have a different perspective from Sandra, who's one of the writers of the show. The time that we were in Spain was a very crucial time also, politically. They had a referendum where Catalanes were able to vote. 
to be independent from Madrid, from Spain. Um, when I say Madrid, it's from the Prime Minister and from the Crown. Catalonia is comprised of uh, four provinces, being Barcelona, one of the biggest ones, and probably in Spain, one of the most affluent, the, the one that brings in the more money for the country. The sangria that we had at the bar at the hotel was very different than the sangria that we usually get. So this, this sangria was super strong. It had like some vodka in it, or I don't even know. It was like, okay, so let's have a little red wine and some fruit, and then let's put a whole bunch of vodka in it. So everybody was a little kind of tipsy after just this one drink. I think we use too much sugar in everything. Everything has sugar, and back in the, in the 80s, when it, the whole low-fat thing came along and we started saying, oh, there's no fat in this, instead of just, just having you know, fats in, in our food, which are you know, natural, healthy fats, we started adding a lot of sugar. The, the processed foods came with tons and tons of sugar. And now, where, where back in the 80s, we didn't eat a lot of sugar per capita. Now we're up to 70 pounds of sugar per person per year. That's a lot of sugar. It might even be more than that now. So if you're gonna have some sangria, Take a decent red wine, cut up some fruit, usually citrus and apples, and just let it sit. And the sugars from the fruit will naturally sweeten your sangria. The one thing that's different with when it comes to fructose from fruit is that it, because it comes with fiber, especially if you're eating a fruit, then it's metabolized a little bit differently than high fructose corn syrup. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna get some fructose, you're gonna get it from eating fruit. And that's, that's actually okay because we're never gonna eat so much fruit that we cause ourselves liver failure. But if we drink a can of soda every day that's sweetened with high fructose corn syrup or two or five or 10, um, then that, that can cause what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is now the number one cause of liver failure in our country. So we got a little buzz from our sangria and then we took a walk to this local tapas market that was just uh, just around the corner from the hotel. There's a great tapa market around here. Well, uh, yeah, after I woke up and all the stuff, I was hungry, so I... Tapas market? Places. Yeah, so they're little stands. Okay. And they, 80% of the stuff is fried, but I found something that was delicious. You know, we already wrote it off, thing. so, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We right off the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's right here, okay. and you know, they, and they we'll have follow you. Our very knowledgeable writer, Sandra, has some really great things to tell us about tapas. traditional tapas, the Spanish tapas. So they're little appetizer plates. And so you order a little bit of everything and you chat and you share and you drink and that's that's a Spanish way. Appetizers. That's what we're gonna do. I like yeah. that. But, but that's what we're gonna do. I see sobrasada. Wanna share? No sobrasada? So there is, right here. Sobrasada. Sobrasada. Ay, ay, ay. Right? Remember your childhood. <laughs> we got to try all sorts of different food. We all sat down and, and had a beautiful conversation about what we felt about the food. We had some wine. What was surprising to me was the amount of fried food. Now, that didn't stop me from trying it though. <laughs> but it was there was a lot of fried food. And mayonnaise everywhere there was mayonnaise and you know Americans like their ketchup and just so you know it's full of sugar it was really a relief 
to not have to ride anymore after riding hundreds of miles in Mallorca. We were tired and it was time for a rest. The thing is, is that we all felt really accomplished. Everybody did the best they could. You know, uh, Shannon was really happy to get up that mountain. Molly was really upset that she didn't get to finish the mountain. Ah! Katya and I were able to get up the second mountain. Ah! It was just such, such a great feeling to do something that we didn't think we could do. Ah! We came to Barcelona with, you know, a, a whole sense of let's go out and adventure. Let's go look at this, this beautiful city and see what is in store for us. What I've found in my life is that every time I've set a goal and met it, I've had it like a letdown. So it's like this kind of up and down sort of curve. And what I've found is if I set a short-term goal, but also a super, super long goal, if I set a big goal that is something that maybe I can attain within 10 years, or 20 years or 30 years. I've always got something to keep me going, something to keep looking forward to so that I don't have this letdown. And, and the biggest experience or the biggest example I can give you is when I finished medical school. So as soon as I finished my, my surgical training, I went out and started my office. I opened my office and, and started working as a surgeon, but I, had, I didn't know where I was going. I was really lost for about four or five years because I, had, I, I felt like, okay, I've made this goal, what's next? And it took me a while to really learn how to always have something to look forward to. In terms of our journey, Barcelona was the next thing. It was the next thing to look forward to. And that was, uh, it was such an, it's just, it is such an amazing city. And if you haven't been there, make sure you go because it is beautiful. And if you can't go there, come with us because we're gonna show you the best of Barcelona. guide us on our adventure through Barcelona, we had the amazing tour guide, Elizabeth. I'm so happy she was able to take us around because she was knowledgeable and a lot of fun to interact with. She took us to see the Sagrada Familia, and then we walked through the square and looked at some very interesting Gaudi architecture. My trip was very short, so uh, by the time I got to Barcelona, you know, we, we got some food with the girls, and the next day there was this uh, incredible tour organized throughout the city, which is absolutely beautiful. One of the highlights of Barcelona is Gaudi, and La Sagrada Familia is uh, one of uh, Barcelona's most I would say famous touristic spots. It was planned and built at the beginning by Gaudi. I think it was amazing, like awesome. And I can see why everybody comes so far to see it. It's crazy. I appreciated that he broke all the rules because in anything that we do artistically, we learn the rules first, but he broke the rules. Like he smashed them, threw them out the window and he took this hard stone piece of huge stone and made it look soft and like flowy. So that's incredibly talented. I mean, that's crazy. He did something massive. I would love to do something massive like that and leave that behind. Now Sagrada Familia is covering only one block. Oh, only, only one, one, one block. And it's supposed to go to six blocks, huh? Gaudi's vision. They are going to take all these houses down, about six wow. houses, six about apartment blocks they are going to take down. For me, seeing La, La Sagrada Familia was just it was amazing. I looked up at it and, and at one angle it looked like 
a termite colony. <laughs> and from another angle, it looked like this beautiful church. And the fact that it's not finished and probably never will be finished is pretty fascinating to me. But they're supposed to finish by 2026. 20, 2026 is and a dream date. Yeah, right. 100 years of then. death of Gaudi. That huge tree, like a Christmas tree for Grand Island, I mean, it didn't fit at all. I just don't understand. And a bunch of doves. So weird. Well, I mean, if you go to Russia, like St. Petersburg is just filled with churches. Right. And after a while, it's just another beautiful church. They all start looking the same. This is a very, very unique church. Yeah, this is the other side of the coin. Huh? Yeah. Over there, the happy yeah, yeah. Okay. Christmas facade. Here, yeah. the sad passion facade. Course, Goes the to the west, course. where the sun sets, where the day ends, and it symbolizes the end, the last moments in the life of Jesus Christ. What we're going we up to the next corner. Okay, the next corner, we're going to the Gaudi houses. Yeah, you see. Right? And when you walk through Barcelona and see the Gaudi sections of town, you know exactly which buildings he had something to do with. And for me, it was just, it was fascinating and beautiful and um, just different and unique. And, and I really have a lot of appreciation for that kind of thing. So, we see this okay, building so here. This is one of the Gaudi buildings. This is one of the Gaudi buildings. Okay. It's called Casa Mila, constructed for family Mila about 100 years ago. And Gaudi dedicated this building to the ocean. You see the very wavy facade? Yeah. And is it also limestone? It's also limestone. Okay. And it's on its top clean point because it gets cleaned every 10 years. And it was ah. cleaned last February. Oh, that's why. So it looks beautiful. Does he always have that organic feel? Like a very much. Gaudi was inspired by nature. So Gaudi said, in my construction, no straight lines. Nature has not got straight lines. Is this another Gaudi building here? Yes. Let's see it once again from a little bit of sure, distance. Sure. It looks like skeletons. Is it supposed to look like skeletons? Masquerade mask. Yeah. So the whole building is supposed to be the body of a dragon. And here on this block we see that Gaudi was not the only one. Next door we have another nice example of modernistic architecture, also dedicated to the dragons, to St. George, okay. San Jordi. Okay. You see the little dragons on the balconies mm -hmm. jumping out. And on the very corner one more, so they call this block the block of discord. Here we have the show-off of the most famous uh, modernistic architects. Who is the best? Who has spent more money? Who is the most famous? Gaudi won the competition. Won yeah, for sure. We had a drink overlooking the harbor. We talked about our own menopause journey. We talked to Elizabeth about her menopause journey. And Dr. Val then spoke to us a little bit about hormone replacement and the different options. So we're going to get a drink in Barcelona Harbor. So can you give us a little bit of history of the Barcelona Harbor? Old Harbor of Barcelona was uh -huh. Barcelona's industrial harbor until 30 years ago, until the city developing project for the Olympic Summer Games okay. in 1992. Oh, okay. You walk over the bridge, you end up in Mare Magnum. There's a shopping center, there are restaurants, there's the aquarium of Barcelona, and you're sitting in the middle of the harbor without traffic, without noise. Ah. A very nice new leisure area That's for Barcelona great. at the very end of Las Ramblas. 
and we get a chance to talk about menopause here. Wonderful. So, <laughs> what, what, Elizabeth, is your experience with menopause? Hot flashes. <laughs> I think that's probably the number one complaint among women. The hot flashes are very uncomfortable. I'm think, I think I still, I'm still not over it. Uh -huh. I have felt this six months ago. And this was one month of hot flashes, very interesting nights, because my dreams were all very conscious. Normally I would sleep and I would not dream. Mm -hmm. But now I wake up every half an hour, I said, oh, hot, I cold, <laughs> Ooh, shivering. And then I was remembering my dreams. Right. And so I had very interesting night, nights going back to my past, remembering all my boyfriends. It was quite interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> but sounds like a nightmare. It was okay for me. It was okay. So what did your doctor do for you? Did, did you well, my doctor said, look, Elizabeth, this is normal. Yeah, I would not take any hormones. I would be completely relaxed. You have to get over it. It can take one year, can take two, can take three. Mm -hmm. In my case, after one month, it was over, but it probably will come back because I also got my menstruation again, normal. Oh. For this one month, there was none. So, did your doctor, your doctor said you didn't, she didn't, she didn't want to give you hormones now. No. But did she give you that option, like in the future, she might offer you some, you know, a she patch said if or something? I am feeling worse, if I cannot handle, then I should come back. And have you gone back yet? No, because it disappeared at the moment. Okay. It so, will come so, back, no problem. So but this, is a this good, was just the first but, but taste is, of menopause. This I is had. a good opportunity to discuss patient compliance, <laughs> because because we find well, well, as physicians, we'll say, okay, I want you to go and I want you to write down everything you eat for you know six weeks and then come back. And I have yet to have somebody bring me back everything they've eaten. So Elizabeth complained about hot flashes, which is probably the number one complaint that women have when it comes to menopause. And the hot flashes can be pretty severe. I know because I'm having one right now. It's, it, it, it's just this feeling and it just comes up and then everything's hot and like I start to sweat and uh, it's like my face gets moist. It's, it's pretty <sighs> difficult at times. And what Elizabeth said, her doctor told her was, you know, if it gets really severe, come back. And then she never went back. And we talked a little bit about patient compliance. And we look at doctors in our society, we look at them as authority, but I think more and more we're, we're looking, at, looking at doctors more as a service, uh, somebody to service us and make us feel better rather than somebody with authority who can help us um, become our better selves. And so when a doctor says to you, you know, try this or write this down and then come back, they're only looking out for your best interest. It's not that they're trying to, you know, invade your life or, 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 you know, make you be somebody you're not. They're trying to help you become your best health, become your best you in the best health that you can be in. And I, I, there's, there's this whole trend toward patient satisfaction. And yeah, I think that's important, but at the same time, our hospitals are not hotels. We are there to make people better. And patient satisfaction is important, but I don't think it's the most important thing because if I tell somebody uh, that they need another operation after I've operated on them already once, that may make them not as happy and you know, I may not be happy either. I mean, if that patient is un unsatisfied because we had to do more for that patient's health and the patient satisfaction scores are, you know, may, may go down, 
that doesn't mean that the patient is not getting good care. And so we've really pushed way to the other side of, of I think, what is uh, acceptable in terms of what we call the satisfaction scores uh, being the main driver of patient care. That's not patient care, that's just PR. So can you just talk to us a little bit about bioidentical hormones? Usually it's a combination of very estrogen, progesterone, sometimes DHEA, sometimes testosterone in a cream form that you apply to your skin. Uh-huh. And uh, Molly mentioned it's done in a com compounding pharmacy, so it's specialty pharmacy uh -huh. that makes up the, the combination based upon a prescription from your gynecologist or nurse practitioner or your internist whatever combination he or she feels would be good for you. How about you? What's your experience in Argentina? Um, women talk about hot flashes and it's just about it. That's it? Okay. It's just about it. Hot yeah. flashes is the top of the town when it comes to menopause. Yeah. That's just it. And yeah, you have the hot flashes. Oh yeah. That's it. That's, okay. That's, I'm drinking more. This is good. That's, that's why I'm drinking more. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of hot flashes, one way to help alleviate symptoms is through acupuncture. We went to see my friend Jillian Schwartz, who has a traditional Chinese medicine practice, and she does acupuncture. We talked about how acupuncture can help with hot flashes and menopausal symptoms in general. I actually got some acupuncture myself. isn't really primarily an American thing. You're not really seeing this much in Chinese women because um, they used to think it was because they ate a lot of soy in their diet, but actually what they're finding is American women um, overconsume alcohol, caffeine, uh, smoke, they overwork, and so their adrenal glands are really tapped out. In Chinese medicine, every organ has a job to do, and so in Chinese medicine, there's nothing medically wrong with kidneys, but as you age, and women age in seven-year cycles, the kidney energy starts to decline. So you start to see signs of aging. So basically, they're finding that you have an allotment when you're born of kidney energy. Some people have a little bit, and some people get a lot. The rest of it is cultivated in how you live your life. So you can deplete it, or you can reserve it. And so it really depends um, on what you've done and how much you started with. So women who have depleted this um, through lifestyle, or they weren't born with a lot of it, will actually start to show menopausal symptoms much more significantly than other women. The hot flashes, night sweats, mood changes, symptoms of bugs crawling on your arm, feeling like a lot of anomalies that there's no other place to go, so they come to me. <laughs> so um, those sort of things actually uh, Chinese medicine treats by boosting this kidney energy. Because otherwise what you're finding, this depletion of female energy, there's actually an increase in masculine energy. So it's like the yin-yang symbol. It's always in dynamic balance. If one depletes, the other one increases. And you have to reestablish that to being more fluid and even. So basically, this male energy actually relates to, you see women kind of like getting a little older and they're speaking up for themselves a little more. They're coming into themselves a little more. Um, this, this strength comes out in one way, that, that regard, but in another physical way can have other symptoms. So... Um, and that's what we try to do is reestablish that balance and I can treat people you know a hundred times over and if you don't make lifestyle changes and you're still consuming alcohol and drinking bottle of wine a night and caffeine and stressing your adrenals and I can treat it but you have to not deplete what I create so um, so that's that's part of it 
I spend as much time as I need with people and people when they when they're heard and you can actually you know get to know them really well it's different I can really change things more significantly the more I know somebody because I'll know their body I know about their family life and I'm, I'm reading between the lines before I even start so in Chinese medicine you look at the tongue for diagnosis so the second I meet you I'm already looking at your tongue I'm looking at your eyes I'm looking at all different things like what you're not telling me is what you're telling me too so some people, when you meet them, their eyes like are just very um, blank. There's not a sparkle there, and that tells me something already I need to start working on. Mm -hmm. um, people who give me one-word answers when they first come in, fine, I'm good, yep. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot more going on there, sure. and I, I could already tack on, or tack on another eight visits to this patient because I'm going to have to break through this to get to the real picture, and the sooner I can do that, like I just try to assess what people need from me. Some people need to just be heard. Some people need to read between the lines. They're confused. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that happens too, is you're getting different information from all different practitioners. Like, take this vitamin. The lady at the health food store told me that. And like, you know, my doctor told me this and I don't know if I should do the surgery. And I, you know, and so helping patients sort out, you know, that and help them make good choices for themselves. Thanks for watching the Dr. Michelle Gordon Show. Join us next time. We're gonna see more of Barcelona. And we're gonna meet Myra, who is a flamenco dancer. And she tries to teach us how to flamenco dance. It's pretty funny. Hey, thanks for listening to the, the Menopause Movement podcast and joining in. I really appreciate you. And if you liked it, please head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. That will really help us out. And don't forget to sign up for the Menopause Workshop. You can sign up at menopauseworkshop.com. I'll see you there.